Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation about the ways we use fiber to process life and world events. I'm your host, Ani Lee. My interest in fiber goes back to childhood, when I'd pore over bedding catalogs and obsess over fiber content and thread count. My mother, bless her, taught me to knit at age 10, and I've fallen increasingly in love with all things fiber ever since. I started the Close Knit Podcast in 2016, and I've had the pleasure and privilege of speaking to over 50 incredible people since then. On this podcast, you'll hear from all kinds of folks who share a love of fibers, from full-time practicing artists to those whose main practice is mending their garments. I'm interested in hearing and sharing as many people's stories and experiences with fiber as I possibly can, because I believe each of these unique stories is powerful and teaches us more about how humans use fiber to make sense of the world around us. This podcast is supported by a very special community on Patreon. Pledging just $5 a month there helps me keep Close-Knit up and running by covering hosting and streaming costs and paying my wonderful editor. I cannot thank you all enough for your support, as it's what enables me to sustainably continue this work. So if you've ever enjoyed an episode, please consider pledging your support at patreon.com slash closeknit. That's www.patreon.com slash closeknit. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Sonia Phillip. Sonia Phillip is an artist, designer, and teacher. In 2012, she started a project called 100 Acts of Sewing, making dresses while documenting the process. Since then, Sonia has made it her mission to convince people to sew their own clothes. When not covered in bits of thread, she can be found fermenting, knitting, or baking things. Sonia lives in San Francisco with her family. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Ani. Thanks for having me. Thank you me. so much for being here. Well, thank <laughs> yeah, you for having you. me. It's funny, I was like, as I was reading the bio, I was like, well, she really can be found baking things. You know, we took you from your, your baking this morning to get you on this call. Yes. Yeah. I had to actually change that because it was, it's like, wait, I've, I've been doing so much more of other things during this weird pandemic times and really gotten back into baking mm. and just, I've been fermenting for a while now, but uh, really with all this time on our hands, uh, relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time just, you know, doing doing more homebound things. So, and yeah, kitchen related. Absolutely. What's been your favorite fermenting project so far? Well, I love making kimchi mm. and sauerkraut. That's sort of like a, a no, don't really have to think that much about doing that. You know, I think just the maintaining successfully maintaining my sourdough starter you know I've had I've had them before and let them die and so just really being able to start one and and keep it going it's it's really interesting too having hobbies um, that are just staying hobbies rather than you know my other hobbies that have turned into you know careers or businesses so Right. So it's it's just this like really nice distraction and just making something just for myself or my family rather than I'm making this with an eye to sell it or do something. So that's that's really necessary and, and needed. And 
it, it's also just this opportunity to go back to just not knowing what I'm doing and, and learning yeah. just that whole, like putting into practice what, you know, with, with what I do with a hundred acts of sewing and teaching that I'm encouraging people to do something that is pushing outside their comfort zone and tackling making garments. And here I am, it's like, okay, this bread isn't working. What can I do? And how, um, you know, I see a lot of parallels between sort of like bread baking and, and clothes making and that there's all these steps and, you know, you might really not do well in one of the steps and that's what makes your project or your bake turn out terrible. And then you just think like, I'm, and that I always thought I'm a terrible baker. I can't bake bread. I could bake cakes, cookies, all sorts of other things, but my breads would always turn out to be these flat like, bricks. And that right there, it's like, again, I always thought, oh, I can't make clothes. So there's that whole limiting yourself like I was so quick to just be like I can't do it so the fact that yeah with some practice and pushing past that initial failures that I could now like I now bake every week um I like these like I don't recognize myself anymore um and and it was some of it too was just early on this year I thought to myself what I need to do is just bake. And I was using the exact same process too. It's like, I'm going to just take one recipe and I'm going to just keep baking this every week because what I was doing was I was trying this one. Oh, it was okay. Then I would try this one and like, oh, that didn't work out. So instead it was like, I'm, it's not so much mastering, but really just getting used to that one recipe. And yeah, and then there would be times where it's like I'd get a little cocky and just think like I don't have to read it, and then I would mess up and like forget to do something like whoop nope you do need to read you do not you don't have it memorized but just that whole gaining confidence because it's it's a skill so anyway that's something that I've been going through these past months yeah completely unrelated to fiber but it's it's been you know, comforting and a learning process. And just, yeah, it's like I'm baking this morning and the house smells amazing. Of course, then you, you have to wait. Can't eat bread fresh from the oven. I don't understand. It's terrible. <laughs> wait, why can't you? Why? I don't, because I, the, clearly I don't bake bread. <laughs> the The crumb hasn't set yet. If you, if you cut into it, it's still, I mean, it's still almost like cooking and you, I mean, you can eat it, but it's just that what, it'll be more difficult to cut. um, And it just, it needs to cool down completely. So before you cut into it. So patience. It's a bit of a tragedy, I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I feel like you touched on two super interesting and critical things just then about the first one about like this sort of incessant need to monetize our hobbies or like, just this kind of like, what is it, what does it look like to exist in a space where you actually could just have a hobby to have a hobby that didn't feel like it needed to be like the, the, the side hustles. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I wondered, I actually wondered like as someone who has practice turning a hobby into a business that has become much of your life, like, were you kind of fighting that urge as you were starting to bake or ferment? Or is that just, are, were these just separate in your mind? 
No, I don't think I, I would never do anything to, to monetize baking or fermenting or other things, just because I also, what I've found with both sewing and knitting is that the best way to start disliking your hobby is to start doing it for a living. Or that then you just, not even disliking, but like there are times where I just, I don't sew because I'm mm-hmm. doing all kinds of other things. And right. that when I do sew, it will usually be these intense, like I'm sewing for days because I'm prepping for a class or prepping for, you know, developing a pattern. Uh, and then it'll just be weeks, sometimes months where I'm not sewing just because I can't mm. make the time. Uh, and it's not, and it's, it is just all for work. Right. And I'm sure people who are knitting designers say the same thing that it's just that mm-hmm. everything is, they're doing something for, uh, you know, for a certain project, it's deadlineness. And, uh, so it doesn't, it's sort of, maybe it seems that's like, oh yeah, you're knitting, you're sitting and knitting and watching a movie, but no, you're doing this because you have to. Right. And yeah, I, it's, it's nice to, to not have that, to sort of know, like, this will change this. Don't, don't, don't alter. This is a good thing. Right. You have that, you have that kind of awareness and you have that experience of having just seen it in its different forms. I just think it's, I feel like something that I've been noticing a lot over the COVID pandemic is these two kind of competing things of people being like, you need to, if you didn't have enough drive to like get your project done before, now now you're just being lazy. And then other people being like, you don't have to monetize everything. It's okay. Rest. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, you're trying to exist or you're trying to work during a pandemic. And Oh yeah. Um, the whole like, this is a great time to be writing a book. Like, well, right. Exactly. I don't, exactly. I just, I wrote a book last year and I'm kind of at the end, you know, it's knock, mm. knock on wood. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like never ending process. Uh, but I'm at the end of, you know, correcting and stuff like that. But yeah, I just cannot even imagine like having the focus to do anything right now. My attention is so scattered. My capacity to deal with things, uh, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm holding things together fine, but any sort of little bumps, like I, my, my laptop took a tumble off the arm of the sofa and I cracked oh, the screen yeah. and that just, I mean, everything was fine. I got it repaired, but it was, it was like this, hugely stressful thing just like now I have to deal with this now I have to try and figure out where to repair ordinarily it's not my first laptop screen I've cracked and ordinarily it would have been like oh this is a bummer oh I wish I didn't have to spend this money but it surprised me how all of a sudden I was like my shoulders were up to here it's like I don't need this right now yes so and taking that step back and recognizing like, wow, okay, this is you, you know, it's like, we're all these like rubber bands that, you know, right. and, and, and that's not even, you know, I'm not having to deal with the stress of, you know, I have secure housing, um, yeah. all these other things where it's like, okay, these are like little sort of checkbox, like, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And even with those things and and not having huge stressors that, other people might be facing right now it's like I'm still 
like any little thing can then just shift the equilibrium. So yeah. it's, it's such a weird time. It's, it goes without saying. I know. And there's just nothing, it's really hard to put into words, but I, so I feel like I was just nodding a lot as what, at what you were saying, because I've had these similar experiences of like things that are normally, like I, I think of myself as being reasonably good at like getting my list of tasks and then going and doing those tasks. You know, that's something I kind of have like with life administration, life yeah. admin stuff. I'm like, all right, I've got this. Like, you know, I'm, I don't love it, but like I've figured out my system and just those little tasks of like, oh, the dentist or, oh, the, you know, just these <laughs> things that are like, suddenly they feel like, oh, wow, how am I ever gonna? Yeah. It's been, it's, I've been, I've been interested and surprised by the sorts of things that like throw me off balance or I get really upset about or can't figure out how to handle when like in quote normal circumstances or, you know, a world that doesn't have sheltering in place and social distancing and stuff I could have done pretty easily. And now I'm like, Oh, I got, I got an oil change and it just felt like, you know, wow, this big, (laughs) huge, yeah. Like, it just seemed like it was so much uh, this huge task that I all of a sudden, like, wow, because it had been, you know, months overdue. Yeah. Uh, but, like, okay, the place is closed. Okay, I don't want to go to the place. Like, okay, I guess it's okay now. But that would have just been a regular. I know. I know. Like, thing to do easily and check right, off. And, right. Yeah. And we'll have to, I'm going to, we'll have to come back to the book writing <laughs> later. But I, because I, yeah, wow. I mean, even just finishing it up during a pandemic, but like, yeah, curious, but also really, I think I found it interesting too, that like your approach to bread making kind of sounds maybe similar to the way that you've approached your sewing. And maybe I like, correct me if I'm wrong about this, of like, stick, go to the pattern, do the pattern, like modify the pattern, get familiar with the pattern. Does that feel... Yeah. And it wasn't, strangely, it wasn't a natural thing for me, as I said, that it was, (sighs) that my inclination was to just sort of, firstly, buy all the cookbooks, um, you know, (laughs) and pretty, pretty books. And I love books and love cookbooks and, uh, and then page through them. And I like, I want to make that, I want to make that. And I guess that's the other thing we're so, and it's, you know, not even cookbooks, it's, social media and Pinterest and blogs and that we have so much choice available. And so, yeah, it's always those external. And so there's, you know, and I'm not even talking about comparing how my loaves look to another person's Uh, that's a whole different can of worms, but you know, it's that whole, there is so much choice and I am the personality where it's like, I want to do everything. And mm-hmm. so having to sort of step back, no, no, this, this isn't working. <laughs> and really just because it was these like separate, you know, you can, yeah, you definitely can break it, like see the parallels and, and it's like, okay, here's like when you're putting together, you know, cutting the dress out and seaming and bias tape and all these like discrete steps. And the same is true with, with baking of that you know, you're having to and and I was talking with a friend of how yeah you're only doing those like the the thing that I was having trouble with was shaping the loaf at the end and you're only doing that for like the very very end and so hmm. you're not going to 
it's not like I don't know what movie it's like I'm a child of the 80s like Karate Kid or something where you know you can't just practice that one move because what you're just going to have these all this dough and you just do no because so the only opportunity you have to shape is to practice shaping is at the end after you've made the dough uh and if you're constantly changing things then anyway right right yeah i feel like it definitely parallels the way that you've approached sewing and i'm i want to definitely go into it later on a bit about more a bit more about like how kind of hundred acts of sewing came to be but before i go there i always ask this question because I selfishly like to know. <laughs> um, I, I just love hearing about people's kind of um, histories and family histories and experience of fiber when they were little or not necessarily little, but in a lot of cases, most people are little. So I'm curious to know if you have kind of your earliest memory of, of fiber in any form, whether it was clothing or something you were working with or a parent was working with or something. Well, I think my very earliest memory was I think it must have been either camp or, or some after school rec club and it was making those God's eyes um, where oh, you yeah. like uh -huh. take the sticks and then wrap the yarn around them and it's and that and also making those um, <laughs> it's like the pot holders with the loops which essentially I think they were were they like nylon stockings I, I don't know. I didn't have the like terry cloth. I had the like pure. Oh, they probably were actually. I don't know. Like dyed. Yeah. But I remember those. And I think even then I was just, I don't know, like, I love doing this. I need to make so many of them. So, <laughs> like, once I got hooked, hooked, but like, get me more materials. And I was a pretty crafty kid. And my parents uh were both like you know in in somewhat creative fields my dad trained as an architect my mom is an interior designer um and mm. both like made things even though my dad was more on the like project management side he would still lay bricks out in the garden like build brick walls or everything in the house was done like if something needed painted, painting, he, you know, we would do the painting. Um, so it was just yeah. like real ethos of, and for him, it was, I think it was a relaxation. It was him like really mm. wanting to do things with his hands. Um, and for my mom, I think it was more like out of thrift. So it would mm. be, she's going to hem these pants or, you know, hem and take down the hem. So like we could extend those pants for another <laughs> few months right. and, or patching jeans and things like that. Uh, so I just remember those iron on patches and yes, yeah. so, yes, I <laughs> say visible mending. <laughs> yeah, that is so funny. I had not. For some reason, I have not made this connection until just now that I definitely patched my holy pants with like iron on patches that were just so, so terrible. And I ugly. think they were meant to be on the inside. I'm not sure, but I always had oh. them on the outside. Maybe it's too complicated to put them on the inside. I don't know. But I think I yeah, like I definitely just 
I was looking at some instruction, but yeah, it was always on the outside and then, you know, you would pick at them <laughs> or I would pick at them as a kid because they could yes. come right off, sort of, <laughs> that wouldn't stick all the way. So yeah, that was, that was my childhood. Yeah, I, I just remember, you know, being encouraged to, to draw and make things um mm. and yeah that my my parents really fostered that and you know i think it really encouraged me to really think about how can you do things and and looking at at you know problems as like here's a an opportunity to to think about things creatively and my mother's an amazing cook so there i mean and she didn't, she sewed, she didn't, uh, she didn't knit. Uh, I think she knows how to crochet, but I don't have any memory of her crocheting mm. around me. Um, yeah. And, but it was mainly like, she, she had a sewing machine. She didn't have a sewing room. It's like the sewing machine would come out as needed. Mm-hmm. When did you start sewing? You know, I don't, I must've done some hand sewing early on. Mm-hmm. but you know like in in brownies or something or but my 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 clearest memory of starting to sew was it must have been like sixth or seventh grade or maybe mm. yeah and I was I was at a school where they had a pretty robust classes that you had your I think they called it domestic science so that was cooking interesting and then and and then they had the shop classes, but they were, and so I mean by robust, that they had a woodwork class, a metalwork class, a plastics class, <laughs> and as well as like art and music. But then they also had needlework, uh, which was just sewing, uh, even though it was called needlework. And they had, you know, separate like classrooms for this. And so yeah. I took, and I think you had to take, like everybody, had to take them like all of you know everyone just you were assigned and you would move around it's like okay this one period or quarter you would take this like metalwork class and then you'd uh then switch off into cooking or sewing and so I took the class and you know I think you could progress if you if you took it then you would and higher grades, if you took it as an elective, you could make more complicated things. But that was my first real experience of learning how to sew on a machine. And as I said, I, I think it wasn't my first time. I might have with my my mother, but she's kind of an impatient teacher. So yeah, we had to, I'm sure we had little projects, but the one that I remember the most was that you had to, um, like design a pillow, like a throw pillow. Uh-huh. And yeah, that, had, but I think it's like, it had to look like something or I'm not sure, but I decided I wanted to make a pencil pillow. <laughs> and I think I must've tried to do it. And again, using like feasible, like iron on. And I think I just like cut things out and tried to sew and just tried to put it on. Like, I think I must've done it without turning over the edges because then it just like looked really crazy and my mother was like no here let me 
you know, like, I'll do it, I'll fix this. And yeah, it ended up looking beautiful. But there was that couple of different things of like, number one, it was the, I have this idea, this creative idea, because I think it was more than what the assignment was. Mm. And which might have been why I was doing it at home. And, and so then it was the disappointment of this didn't turn out the way I thought that it would have in my head, that that, that path from idea to execution was, you know, a failure. Uh, and then there was the, you know, my mom interceding and like, I'll show you how to do it. And then doing it and probably doing it for me. And, and then like, oh, okay, you can do it. That means that I can't do it. And that whole, I'm going to take over and do it right. So it wasn't that like, okay, I didn't have the opportunity to, to learn. I didn't have the satisfaction of doing it myself and the whole, like, this is the right way. So yeah, that <laughs> obviously stuck in my head. <laughs> the pillow is like long gone. I think I might have a, like a photo with it that it's in the background somewhere, but yeah, it really <laughs> obviously made this lasting impression of that that's what sewing is about and it's it's not fun and you can't do it that's an upsetting first first or standout memory of yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. but honestly like I have a similar not in sewing in particular but I have a similar kind of memory of like trying to do things with my hands and my father kind of just coming in and being like I'll show you and by show you I mean I'll do it for you and now it's done and I did it better and done you know and I bless his heart, you know, believe that he was well-intended and that he also just wasn't very patient (laughs) Um, and want, you know, and wanted the thing done. So I think there were times where I, I internalized that as like, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, take my tire off my bike. I don't know how to do that. Like I just, dad does that. I don't do that. And it's interesting how quickly kids can form an understanding of what the relationship is between like kid and parent and, and this, this, the, these conclusions that we, I mean, both of us drew these conclusions as, you know, 10 or 12 year olds that like, you did it right. I did it wrong. You did it better. I can't do this. I guess I won't try. Or like, I'll, or I guess I'm not, you know, I'm inserting for myself. I kind of was like, well, you do it. Like, yeah, you're better at it. So I guess I should stop doing it kind of thing. Yeah. And then that we, we limit ourselves. We, or just, you know, I guess it's a, it's a kind of, helplessness of you know in that accepting as you said it's like the well-intentioned help which then goes beyond and you know as a parent now myself it's like I completely understand it like just just give it to me yeah (laughs) let me just do it um it's it's a a fine line to 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 walk so yeah Or, or when you have also the that comparison, as you're saying, of of just, okay, you did it better, faster, and, you know, uh, and and here I am standing, like, just, uh, uh, and sometimes it's like, well, I didn't have to do that work, or, uh, I don't know. Right, a really early podcast guest that I had said something that really stuck with me for this whole time, which was um, quoting someone else who's like, who I'm forgetting, but it was comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. Yeah. And 
I just, when she said that, I was like, you know, at the time I was just like three or four years ago, I was like, ah, like just this very mind blown kind of, um, articulated in that way. It just became so clear. It's like, we all kind of know this. We all know that comparing, like, don't compare yourself to others, air quotes, air quotes. You know, I feel like I had a lot of that kind of, um, like my mother would say things like that. I feel like I had people telling me and information told about like, yeah, comparing, isn't helpful or comparing is only going to make you sadder, but something just articulated in that really succinct way, Mm -hmm. the thief of joy really kind of, yeah, it really like put it out very clear for me that like, Oh, right. That's what I'm kind of doing when I'm, when I'm doing that. And yet we still, I still do it. You know, (laughs) I know I still do. It's like a, it feels very human and it feels very human in, in a, um, also sort of being exploited by technology and consumption, like the human tendency to compare is sort of then exploited in social media is I think where I'm going with that. Like we already sort of naturally do this. I was doing this pre-social media. Little Ani was like comparing herself to other people. And like now it's only- Your lens was perhaps so much smaller and now it's this almost- uh, it's widened to the point and and maybe you could only like not only was your lens so much smaller but the the time and opportunity was you know you had to you had to pick up a magazine but you had to go get that magazine right or you had to be around people or be outside and now it's like you could do it 24 7 while you poop yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's like it's like tmi but like i was talking to my partner about the fact that like we bring our phones i like i look at my phone while i poop like what is wrong with me Ah! (laughs) Um, but yeah it's like it's possible to do this all the time and it was it i had this interesting experience of spending a little time like not in our home recently, like just in a that small cabin that just like didn't have access to Wi-Fi or internet, whatever. And at the time I was like, okay, I really want to bring projects with me. Like I'm getting really excited about sewing. This is like a whole new thing for me. Sewing is usually so scary. Like I'm going to try to make something. And I was like, but what, what do I, I won't have like access to tutorials and I like won't be able to Google things. And a friend was like, well, isn't that like, couldn't that be kind of good? And at first I was like, no, that couldn't, there's no way that that could be good. Like <laughs> I need access to the internet to know how to do these things. And like, I don't, eventually just kind of like gave up on that and just was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm out here. I'm like sewing something. I'm just going to try sewing this thing. And I didn't make anything like earth shattering and nothing was finished well. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was this really interesting and lovely experience of like instead of making this thing I had thought that I wanted to make because I saw someone else make a tutorial for it I just made the thing that I ended up making which was different from the tutorial but interesting and like ended up taking a t-shirt that I kind of cut and then cut other t-shirts and patchworked them together and like gathered a little kind of I'm actually like wearing it right now it's not it's like not good but it was like I will never probably show anyone except for you right now but um, but it was so fun it was so fun to just like try and be like oh that's maybe that's not how you gather or I think I tried tried gathering by just kind of um, sewing one line when now I've like googled it more and been like oh you need to sew two lines and then you'll get I don't know better gathers I guess but I think like all of what you're saying, just at this like click of a light bulb, 
because, and I, I just was hearing, and I, I talk about this in my, my like little statement, the idea of things having value. Um, and I just heard this the other day, like not to get like to like Marxism is getting such a bad rap these days, but you know, in Marx, they talk about the use value, but I was just hearing about um, something when things don't have use value and they just have skill value and how so much, so much is put upon things having that use value about that you can use it. And then if you spin that out more, that that use value in the terms of social media of this, not only use as in, oh, I can wear it and use it and, and, and it be practical, but it's also a, like, it can be use to, to share that it has to be, um, you know, look good, be photogenic, uh, and be this product that can, you know, be up on the grid, uh, and be a sort of marker of, I am doing things. So, when that is always the expectation for when you start something that it has to be that the final project product product project has to have Mm -hmm. you know has to have use value rather than maybe this is maybe this isn't going to work maybe this will just be for gain for gaining skill practice um you know i often talk about the idea of the dog's breakfast, that the first pancake is, you know, because when you're, you're baking the pancake and you're getting used to like, okay, what should level should the burner be? And is it too hot? Is it this? And that first pancake never turns out well. So that's like the dog's breakfast. And that again is also, I think, forgiving yourself, um, you know, having uh, some just self-compassion of that you can make mistakes, you can really just botch things up and and that's okay because every single thing doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be, doesn't have to look like everybody else's. And right. you know, if we can try and get away from that, then that I think people will be happier. People will be willing to take those risks and the risks mean being able to learn things and being able to acquire the skills because so often you don't get things on the first try and I'm always amazed that when I've taught people that so like with garments it's really simple the first couple of steps it's like okay you're just doing these seams it's like woo 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 and then all of a sudden you have something that looks like a garment you're ready you're like wow can but then you have to do the little finicky finishing things like putting on a facing or bias tape or other things which then end up taking a lot more time and it's um no it's a little more specialized you're having to do these things which are which it is more fiddly and it is amazing when people do it for the first time how it's like everyone's been going along at a clip and then the time suddenly just shifts and it's like glacial time like it slows down (laughs) and people will complain and like this is terrible i hate this and if they're doing something where they have to do a neckline and then they have to do the armbands or 
sometimes people will finish the first dress and then start the next one. They will do it the second, the second time they do it, all of a sudden they're not having the same, you know, it's like they've familiarized themselves. So just even just doing it once. And then the second time it's like, okay, it's yeah. not as bad because I think we naturally when it's new and when things are confusing or comp, and of course it's confusing and complicated because you've never done this before. Right. And, and you, you don't know where to put your hands or you might not understand why you're being asked to do things, but then it's that like learning by doing and yeah. just as what you were saying, as far as the like gathering and it's like you do it with one. Well, of course you should be able to do it with just one. It's like, that's logical, but it's like, okay, it more evenly distributes the gathers if you sew two lines. And it's that whole thing of, if you were to just read something and say two lines, like, okay, I'm just going to do this, but experiencing it and yeah. comparing it and saying like, oh, okay. I'm a huge believer in that learning by doing and that if you understand and sometimes you have to make those mistakes to be like oh that's why this is otherwise it just becomes this like weird it's this esoteric like I don't know why I'm being asked to do this uh so I I'm just much more of a like concrete like I, I will <laughs> in some ways, you know, like rebel against things. And then it's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to do it this way because like, because I've learned if you don't, then everything falls apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. I tend to be like that as well. I do, I do it in like my work, like day job type of workplace as well, where I'm like, I need to understand the context for why you want me to do this thing. Because otherwise, like, I do not want to do it because I don't understand if it's the best possible way forward. And there might be another way. Like you might be telling me to do something that's actually not going to get the desired result. Like we need to know the whole context to be yeah. able to, you know, make a decision. But it's, it's, it's really funny as you were, as you were saying that like people cut out the dress, they do the first scenes and they're like, boom, boom. Yeah. I have a 100 acts of sewing dress number two that is that I cut out it's lovely. I'm like, so I was thinking recently about how I want to restart, but I <laughs> cut it out in 2018, like summer of basics, quote unquote, you know, I was like, I'm going to make a Klein sweater and I'm going to sew it. You know, I had like this, <laughs> I had this, like, I'm totally going to sew things and I'm going to knit things and I'm going to do it in three months. And like, I don't really, you know, I, I've, I, I guess I shouldn't say I don't sew because I was realizing recently that like, no, my mom did teach me to sew when I was little and I did sew on a machine, like, you know, at several different instances over the course of my life. It's been like a number of years that I've been like practicing, quote unquote, but I thought I would make all of these things and I did not. I cut out the garment I and I really, I find that I really need to like be in the company of other people, especially for sewing to like even just get started because I just I just stall out like I'm just like I don't know what to do next like even though this pattern is really clear I just like uh oh I don't know what is how do I make bias tape but I have it I have it cut out and the side seams are sewn and the top like the shoulders you know it looks like a dress yeah yeah the shoulder seat yeah thank you <laughs> the word shoulders and then the side seams are sewn but I was looking at it recently and I was like oh I didn't do anything in terms of finishing and recently like French seams have kind of come onto my radar and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe this is right. Maybe like this two year hiatus of like letting the garment sit <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you know, not my finest moment also maybe makes me feel like maybe I've got the, (laughs) I have things. I just recently, there's been this like, whatever Ikea, like square, like this, this, like, I'm sure it's got like cardboard in it, but it's like a fabric cube. Um, yeah storage bin and it's been sitting in my hallway and recently I just went through it because I we've been rearranging things and it was just there I discovered things I'm like what is this <laughs> like oh this is where I have so many things that I've cut out that I've half finished and every so often I'll go like get a the urge or time or just get be in my bonnet of like I need to finish things and and literally it will just take something that's been on the back burner for years it's like this just took like 20 minutes to finish and oh it's like all this needs is a ham or all this needs is this and yeah I'm a I'm a big believer in letting things you know just marinate and it will suggest its final form to you Right. And in its own time. So if there's the whole, I, I was big into art history when I was in college and discovered that there are these Michelangelo pieces that are, there is unfinished pieces and they're in the hallway leading up to, in, I think it's in Florence, leading up to where his David statue is. And the way that they were, and they're, they're unfinished, that they're, they're still in the blocks of marble, but when I saw photos of these, it was amazing to me that if you look at them, because I just thought like, oh, you're carving a statue. You, you just like whittle it away. <laughs> yeah, just get yeah. smaller and smaller until you get the, 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 you know, rough it out. But it almost, the way they're carved, they almost look like there are, that the, the people are in the marble and they're waiting to come out and he's just because he's sort of finished most I mean they, I mean I'm sure there's more finishing but it and it just really really struck me of that whole idea of that it was in there that the the statue the people were in that marble and he was just letting them free yeah so anyway that whole like yeah the 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 cloth the the dress or whatever the garment will reach it will become its intended form and sometimes it's uh you know I it's like I've been rereading the book for the first time in its entirety and it's like oh yeah there was something that I wrote where it's like you can still I have you can still change things even after the last stitch is sewn and that I have altered things even after they've been worn and 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 washed and worn and it's that whole thing of just it is completely up to you it you need to make it fit how you want and and make it work the way you want it to work and it's not that might not be the way that you like when you first started it might not be the way the garment was intended (laughs) the instructions say but you know you're the one that has to to wear it and so you have to or you should make it be wearable and make it work for you that's that's why that it's like if if it's going to take you uh you know several months or years then that's why i don't think people should should feel bad sewing is is such a weird you know it's it's like you need to have 
like when we're talking about like taking shop classes, it's like, well, you're not going to be building furniture if you have to set up your, you know, your wood shop each time in order to, to saw things and, you know, <laughs> like what, what else do you do with furniture? <laughs> and, and with sewing, it's that, yeah, there are sewing machines stay in the cabinet or closet or wherever or under a table and they're not out the whole, all the time. And, you know, it, it makes such a big difference to have a table that is a right height. So you're not having to stoop over, or cut things on the floor. Uh, and yeah. so there's so much real estate that's, that's not in our, in our houses, meaning that, you know, it's like, at least in my house, it's like every surface is always filled with things. And sewing, you need surfaces to, to, to lay patterns out to make things. And so it really lends itself to, and also you need the sort of dedicated space and time. So it's got like, Mm -hmm. and a sewing machine that can have its own uh issues and problems and idiosyncrasies so i think yeah unlike something like knitting or crochet where you could just pick it up uh and it's portable it it has a it has a a couple of things it's sewing is fast you know once you get going that you can sew a garment in such a short period of time compared to knitting but it does have all of these uh, like accommodations you have to make. I know. I think that that's been a big part of why I've just tended to like go back to knitting every time I think about garment making or doing making something with my hands. I've sort of just like, okay, well, I know how to do this one well enough that I can basically make a garment that works for me. Or, you know, whatever. Some you know, <laughs> loosely speaking, I can knit things and I can wear them, kind of thing. Yeah. But with sewing, I've always there's always been this part. You know, the part of the process, in addition to just like having enough space to like sew and cut things out, it was like all of those steps of wash your fabric, dry your fabric, iron your fabric. You know, trace the pattern pieces, cut the pattern pieces. I was just like no (laughs) absolutely not like i cannot get my head around how i'm supposed to do all of these steps that lead up to the thing and it's funny you know you're like you're saying with knitting i'm willing to dedicate like 45 hours or more to like making a garment but with sewing it's just been i've had like all these blocks with like oh god but i then i have to like how am I going to iron that big piece of fabric and oh, and it's going to be on the floor and how, how the heck am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's the whole thing. No, it's, it's, I don't know. I think fabric, I don't know if it's also, it's just, it's all there. Whereas with knitting and crochet and other things, it's like, we don't, we're just dealing with a ball or a hank of yarn and it's, it's right. wound up. It's, it's contained whereas right fabric it's this unruly thing it's like oh you have to deal with it all at once so i never i've never thought about it that way i've just had to deal with some like 12 yard washing some 12 yard pieces and it's like even just getting it out of the dryer and trying to fold it up um and uh yeah they're they're just folded up i haven't ironed them it's like i'm not looking forward to that (laughs) <laughs> that's a big that feels like a have something on like watch something mindless kind of a task that sounds like a lot like, I mean even ironing a couple of yards I'm like I give up I'll just have it be wrinkly I don't care <laughs> which I know is not good practice but yeah I guess you could just like drape it over something and I'm a big fan of like 
the spray bottle. This is how I this is mm. how I deal with just wrinkly clothes myself. I like to wear like spray bottle. Yeah. Hang it in the shower. Yeah. Oh yeah. I use the shower trick a lot. I feel like anytime I have to like look nice for a gospel performance or whatever thing, I'm just like, oh, everything's a mess. I because yeah. I never, you know, I wear a lot of linen, so it's, that's I'm never gonna get wrinkles out of that. I don't even yeah. try. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like in certain circumstances, I like have to be wrinkle free or at least attempt it. Or that there's that like generally rumpled linen look, and then there's the like this is scrunched up like all the way at the hem in a weird way. Like that needs yes. to not. <laughs> yes, I've definitely been there where I'm like, oh, I really should have just hung that up straight. Like I feel like I am my father's daughter over and over. He'll just be like, if you hang it up straight away, like just hang it up. And there's, you know, it's just this, I have my parents, my parents kind of like, if you do it now, it will be easier later type, yes. <laughs> type of yes. stuff that I just never wanted to listen to as a kid. I was like, no, I don't want to hang it up. <laughs> I don't know how much you can share about your book. I'd be super interested to hear. Yeah. I am writing a book. Uh, it's called The Act of Sewing. It oh. will be coming out, I don't know the exact date, but April 2021, which seems Ooh. so long ago or so far away. Not long ago. Long ago and far away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is time? <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's imaginary. Uh, it's elastic. Um, yeah, so it's coming up and it's now less than, I think we're getting into like the, I don't know, it's like eight months away, which mm. for a while it's, it's two years away. It's a year away. Right. So it's coming out in April. Uh, I think I'll be sharing the cover pretty soon. Um, oh. And what it is, is it's, the, when when I initially thought of the idea of the book, there there are those flat books, or um, or I think they also have like like tile games or things. But when you can just like you have like the person's head and then the person's body, like torso, and then yeah. here's their like their bottom half and here are their feet, and then you could just like rearrange the and lift the like turn the pages and so it's like oh look we've got the pig head on top like here's the little dog head on top of the the ballerina costume and I, I don't know right so who knows what yeah, that yeah. was so I like that idea or I was it's riffing on that idea of that like modular um mm. and how you can change things and so it has uh four basic patterns and then a series of techniques and modifications and embellishments mm. so you can take those patterns you could just make them and not do anything with them and then you can change them up add pockets do you know, lengthen shorten widen narrow mm. and so it's really a workbook that people can use to you know to learn different techniques and learn how to adjust patterns and really help hoping to sort of take the, the mystery out of how to change things up. And, uh, you know, I, I've been really inspired seeing what people make and do with my patterns and how yeah. they 
use them in half time. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Maybe they're following tutorials that I put out there or they're doing things that I never would have thought to do. And so it's this yeah. whole, the idea of just these different iterations and how you can combine or not combine or shift things around. Yeah. You know, I guess, again, it comes back to that idea of the learning by doing and really allowing people to, you know, make the pattern their own. And it's, it's like taking baby steps in pattern drafting, because in some ways they are doing some pattern drafting, but it's not really like, like, here are the measurements and you're not, you're not starting from scratch from nothing right so you're starting from a basic like here is this essentially a block what they call it and this is how you change it and modify it I love that I have I have always really really appreciated about the way that you approach sewing and the sorts of information that you make available out there and also your patterns is this kind of like demystifying <laughs> of sewing and simplification of process but also then this like launching pad of like opportunity of like you could just make like a simple silhouette dress and that is exactly what my dress number two (laughs) which I'm probably going to end up making a dress number one (laughs) by not using not doing sleeves will end up being but I love that I I've always whenever I've like wanted to like get get re-excited about sewing I like just google you <laughs> that's so embarrassing oh my god Aww. I can't believe I just said that <laughs> it's true I google 100 acts of sewing whenever I'm like <laughs> oh my god I'm like crying a little bit whenever I'm like wanting to reinvigorate some level of like oh sewing is a thing I think I can do because I didn't think I could make garments you know I, I've gotten fairly comfortable with like okay, I can patchwork things. I can take scraps and put them together and make something flat. <laughs> but like, if it needs to go onto a body, like, ugh. and it's I just a, have such loved... a hurdle for it so many really people. Is. Yeah. It really is. But what's so interesting, you know what I, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I realized recently, like I spent, I spent a day last weekend, I think it was like not long ago. It feels like so long ago making, I spent 13 hours sewing and I made these two dresses that I were just made up, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't following things. I just like went with my gut (laughs) and they're sort of wearable. And I realized as I was making them that it was really similar to the way I first learned to make knitted garments. Like I took rectangles Mm -hmm. and I put seams in them to make like a sleeveless dress out of a cotton yarn that I had. And at the time, I remember just being so mind boggled that like, oh, I turned like all I had were what I thought were skills to like knit scarves. I thought all I could knit for the rest of eternity was going to be scarves. And then when I made that realization of like, oh, I just put like just like sewing or like watching my mom put together my Halloween costume or these little acts of sewing that I'd seen as a kid um, and like gotten interested in as a teenager and stuff were pretty much the same thing with this knitted garment. I kind of found myself coming back to it again with this iteration of trying to sew something of like, oh, right, I have these two flat pieces of fabric that are just like leftovers from another project a friend helped me with. I can put them together, put a little elastic at the top, and voila, straps, I have a dress. Like it was, it was a very, um, that same kind of magic of like, 
oh, I do have some of the skills that I need to make a garment. I didn't think that I did. And that's something that I think about a lot, that whole idea of going from a flat fabric to fitting a body. When you look at clothes and like early, how clothes were made, when people were weaving cloth themselves, that, Mm. you know, the, the looms were usually, you know, much smaller. So the fabric was smaller. And so things had, and, and because everything was being done by hand, then, you know, you needed to use every single piece of fabric. And so you would have just your very basic, like, okay, here are just like the body is rectangle, the sleeves are rectangles. You know, that would just be one, or it's like, it's just one rectangle. There are no sleeves. Sleeves would be something that you maybe strapped on or something or, and then you had like little gussets being put in like, okay, here's like a triangular gusset. So then the sleeve looked more like a trapezoid and less like a rectangle. And you have these like slowly moving towards first, it's just straight, then you're getting to some angles. And then finally to sort of the iteration of like, okay, here are some curves. And then not only those curves, but then buttons and other closures and zippers, then you start having things be, you know, more like fit as opposed to this is loose and we're going to just like tighten it through belts and other things or through like a waistcoat. Uh, You're going to contain that billowing or other things. But, uh, you know, it's not my area of expertise at all. It's more just a, like, it's something that's interesting to to look at, like how clothes and, and have changed over time and but just that whole idea of fit that I think that that is a big hurdle I think that people get Mm -hmm. really in their heads about this should fit a certain way and I heard somebody like you were talking about the phrase that sticks in your head and somebody said this once I don't even remember who said it but they said that you know fit is a journey not a destination Mm. And how, you know, it's it's not ever going to be, and it, it comes back to what I was saying earlier of the whole idea that you can't really expect that you're going to make something and then oh, it's going to be perfect. You know, what is perfect? Yeah. And you need to be able to make something and then see like, okay, maybe I need to then wear it. And just like, okay, I want. Actually, I'd like this sleeve longer. Actually, I'd like this to be. Uh, shorter or a little taken in I could I could maybe make it a little like wider up here smaller here and all of these things that then you could alter it take it apart start another one um and that's and you know for me I try and avoid talking about fit and it's just more for me like is it comfortable is it wearable yeah because I think that we can, when, when we talk about fit, I feel that you, it's a slippery slope into, like, then you get into a sort of area of where it's the expectation of how things should look. And then it's like, then you get into like sizes and like, well, are you on paper this size, but in your head, you would really want to be this size. And it's like, you're not right being able to match those two up and really they're just numbers and it's yeah. what it could be 
that you're more comfortable wearing something that's, you know, like that you're able to, to move in because, you know, you're a type of person that you gesture wildly all the time or, <laughs> uh, or, and it's really, it's more for me, it's like finding out what makes you comfortable and what, what, what is going to serve your needs yeah. rather than this is stylish. This is what you're seeing everybody doing, wearing, etc. And, you know, it's like, do you need things that will hide stains? <laughs> do you need things that uh, why? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Or do you need, you know, I tend to run hot. And so I like to wear, you know, when I knit, I, I think I've knit, I don't know, like only a handful of pullovers because I just <laughs> want to be able to like, I like the cardigan because I'd like to open up and just being able to like, I need to take it off now because I'm hot. <laughs> it's like my temperature has changed. Right. And like taking ownership of the fact that that's true for you. Like I think yeah. sometimes I get lost in like, again, a little bit of like the online comparison thing or, or inspiration or whatever of like, oh, a lot of people are making this pattern. That looks neat. I'll try making that or, or that kind of a thing of like, no, actually I love making cardigans because I love to be able to take them off or you know, for me, it's, I think more like, I don't like having buttons on my cardigans because I don't like buttoning things. Like I just want to be able to quickly shove it together and pull it apart and kind of like that allowance for just being like, no, this is like knowing yourself and then going forward and making in that way. Yeah. And I talked to, you know, I guess like my cohort of women that it's, it's almost like reaching a certain age of like your mid to late thirties of then when it's like, you don't, you care, start caring less about, like you start knowing this is what I like. And yeah. you know, I'm now not in that. <laughs> and I was doing some online survey. It's like, Oh no, I'm in another bracket now. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, well, I'm 46 now. I'm like, Oh, here I am in the 46 to 50 racket. Um, and yeah, so it's just, and I think some of that, I mean, maybe it's a like, oh, you don't care. But again, I think it's a, also a combination of that having the years of dabbling and trying that you need those, you need those, that time of trying things out and seeing. And then after a while, it's like, no, this is what I've tried these dozens of looks and trends and this is actually what I keep coming back to and this is what I feel most myself in Mm -hmm. and that that to me is is that like what and and that can change you know it can really it can change in in time and that but you know for me that that was really what started 100x sewing was wanting to make I found this dress at a thrift store it was a a linen dress made by this company called flax I think Mm -hmm. they're still around and it was this like dusty pink color like a really kind of like I guess it was like yarn dyed linen so sort of mottled and but it wasn't a, a a color that I would ordinarily have been drawn to yeah because it was lighter pink I would have made gone for more like the fuchsias magentas so but being you know, just thrift store shopping, you're like, oh, that's in my size. I'll buy it. Yeah. And I just loved 
that dress. I loved the way I loved the length and uh, I would wear it with a cardigan and some pants, just layering it. And I just like thought like, this is like, I'd found the dress and how if I could just have this dress and that could be this in different colors. And I would just be able like that whole idea of a uniform was like so appealing, which is weird because I had a school uniform growing Mm. not like it so that mm-hmm. whole idea of course like mind change warp of uh but you know i guess it's like not have like jumping off that treadmill of figuring out what to wear every day and it wouldn't be like oh it's just the same thing but it's like not having to look at a closet where there were so many different things like who am i just like no mm-hmm. it's this and then a and it really has then it's like I'm glad that I thought that way because you know even though I do wear very similar like like these basic shapes the creativity then is how can I combine them how can I like mix these colors up and it's not I don't have to then worry like how I'll look or will this fit? Will this make me feel uncomfortable? Will I feel fat? Well, I, that is all like out the window because I know it's like, whatever I'm going to put on, I'll feel good. And it's just then now, you know, how can I like, is this fun if I put this together with this? So it's, uh, for me, it's been taking that like painful aspect out of getting dressed and instead just having it be fun to me now looking at it looking back and thinking of like all of these the ideas that I was hatching up and you know at the time Christine Vijar of A Verb for Keeping Warm was almost like you know like it was almost as if she was sitting on my shoulder and saying like you could make it and she was like every so often we'd hang out, I'd go to the store or whatever, and she'd say, You should learn how to sew. No, 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 I can't sew. What are you talking about? And I eventually I did, but I took little baby steps towards sewing that I would, you know, back to the thrift store. I would I found linen dresses and I would, you know, I I cut them up and was yeah. changing them to make them look somewhat like uh, you know, and refashioning them. And when I look at people who might use my patterns to, and then, and refashion things, I always, I love seeing, I love seeing that because I think that there's, you know, an inherent creativity that has to happen when you have, you know, when you have these constraints placed on you of like, it's not just all this fabric that it's this blank canvas that you can you can just place the pattern pieces down and everything fits and you just do it exactly the way that the instruction books tells you that you know when you're having to think on your feet that that to me it's like the exciting like when the choices are made you're like oh i can't do it that way but what if i you know rejigger this or shift this or and and that i don't know that is where some that creative problem solving again that and and when you have to do it yeah so there's like little eureka moments and you know sometimes there are the things that okay you depart from the the pattern and maybe you think like oh and there's that 
like trepidation of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then it turns out it's like, whoa, that's like, turns out to be some brilliant thing. Like, whoa, look, look at this amazing design feature. Uh, that was this accident. So I, I, I love, I love that. And uh, for me, it was more like, I don't, I didn't have the confidence to take the fabric and cut it up, but it's like, okay, I could take these pieces that were already most of the way made and then change them up to be somewhat like what I wanted. And that was, you know, kind of a having training wheels and being like, okay, I could kind of do this. And yeah, I fully relate to that. I feel like that's kind of where I am in my like sewing creative endeavor is like, okay, there's a thing and this thing's half made. I can, like, I had this funny um, button down shirt that had like a V-neck that had embroidery on the bottom. And the embroidery was like a purple rhinestone, like peace sign. And a you know, it was like a lot. <laughs> so I just cut it off and did a hem. And this is kind of the first time that like I did a hem that I'm actually like, yay, I did a hem and it looks good. And there's not like weird bunching up bits that kind of like, you know, a lot of times when I make a hem, I, I end up with like a bunch of fabric at the end that I'm like, how did this get here? <laughs> like, I thought I was just two lines together. Okay. Yeah. I very much relate to what you're saying about like the training. Like, and is it because there's not, there isn't all this like invested if it's like the whole thing or it's just, right. you know, are you, is it this, like you're, tricking yourself into thinking like it's I don't know it's it's yeah. but it's still it's all sewing and it's all good and no totally it, yeah little sort of building blocks right little bits of practice yeah. it's nice yeah yeah just little, little morsels yeah. <laughs> yeah totally give you a taste of it yeah and I, I think that it's yeah it that that is hugely valuable because you're taking things that you're, you're taking something that you know maybe wasn't getting a lot of wear and you're giving it new life uh and yeah and as you're doing it you get hopefully gaining a little bit of confidence and you know it's like oh look at this amazing hem yeah like I did a hem yes <laughs> I know it seems so trivial but it's also like it's been such a I've been basically just like sewing scrunchies like all these little things where like I'm learning about how to make straps because I learned how to make a tube, like just the concept of like turning a tube inside out, just these things that are so not big deals in the sewing world, but I'm starting to see how they fit together in clothes I already own or things that I've wanted to make. It's just like, it's very exciting. <laughs> I'm very excited and I have not felt excited about sewing. My partner noticed that too. He was like, it seems like you're taking this approach with sewing. Like for a long time, you were really scared. Like you just seemed really scared of it. And like you found this way to be curious and like just piece things together enough that like your curiosity and your playfulness is like letting you do it. Like the snaps when you said be curious, I'm like, yes, yes, that. Yeah. Because when and how you can let go of the that like fear and allow the curiosity and the interest because yeah I mean I think it's like if you if it's too scary and if it's anxiety producing you're not going to have fun right and I I mean I think that there has to be some like biomechanical connection of that you're not yeah you know, your shoulders are all the way up here and you're, I mean I remember I remember like 
crocheting this thing of where, and I still, I still to this day, like I have no problem crocheting, but that first, like found, like you do the foundation chain and that first, I, I don't I mean that obviously I need to like maybe make a bigger foundation chain or something, but that first row still has, gives me problems. And, but the first time I did it, I remember like, I was going like this and I, like my <laughs> shoulders are up to my ears and that's so stressful. I'm like, oh, how can anyone do this? And yeah, when you're doing something for the first time, it's you, you, that, that struggle and you, you make things more and it's that whole like mind body disconnection I guess so that you're yes. not your your brain is going this is hard we're scared yes. <laughs> this is difficult let's do something that's soothing yes yes stop this yes that that 13 hour day of sewing I like finally at sunset I was like oh I should really go for a walk like wow I think I've been pretty much just heads down with this for like the yeah. entire day and I I walked outside and I realized that like my stomach was really hurting because I had been like clenching my stomach just the whole time and like later that night my partner like touched my thigh and he was like your thigh is like a rock like you just because I was like on the floor like like perched on my toes like trying to cut things out and like you know just really kind of realized that in the in the process of being all excited and anxious and whatever you know all of the things at once I had really been like just you know, shoulders up to my ears, holding, holding like a ton of tension in my body and taking that, like just literally five minute walk. I just like breathed into my belly for the first time. and was like, Oh, right. A breath, like a full breath (laughs) into my belly. What have I been doing all day? I haven't even been breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you are kind of like curled up sort of like a shrimp when you're sewing anyway. Right. Yeah. I know. And then just like extend like, Oh, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense to the last week I have been really drawn to like stretching out really wide and big and like moving my arms way up in the sky and like in bed I've been just like toes out arms out kind of thing. This makes a lot of sense now. Uh, Yeah, and I think also possibly why sewing with people is, you know, that whole, because it is tends to be a solitary thing and so just being able to to be around people yeah uh sadly yeah sadly it's not as you know available to us in this time but that's why i've had people their students that they're just like ah just having this like block like even if it's only like three or four hours but just not only having the dedicated time but just i think really just that camaraderie of being around people and that you're just making the same thing together yes yeah. you know as you were saying earlier that whole like it there are all these steps of, that you have to you know, wash the fabric iron the fabric cut it out and I mean oftentimes I like to like I'll, I'll wash my fabric as soon as I get it mm-hmm. iron it I'll fold it up but I'll wash it so then it's like everything is just ready right when I'm when I'm ready to make stuff I'll iron it and and cut the pieces out but a lot of times I'll just that'll be like a day mm-hmm. that will the, the cutting the pieces out um maybe I'll pin stuff together but then I'll save the sewing for another time and yeah. sometimes I even will batch sew things um, like mm. right now 
like what I'll do, I, I'll have my mending basket or my half done stuff and just be like, okay, I've got yellow thread. What else needs, you know, what else needs yellow thread? Um, yeah. And that will be the, you know, the sort of impetus to like patch that thing uh, because it's like there's yellow thread in the machine. Not that changing the thread in the machine is difficult. No, like, I'm this way. I've been this way too, where I'm like, okay, I've got the like, cause I'm just working through whatever my mother and grandmother had. And I have like a little bit from when I was at verb and like, I have like mostly polyester thread and occasionally I'll break out the like cotton <laughs> when yeah. I'm feeling like, Oh, okay. I want to like make sure I'm using cotton for this. Or like, you know, I might try to over dye this at some point. So I'll use cotton so that like the, the dye will actually take, but um, I do literally the same thing where I'm like, all right, which things can I batch together? I had the same thought thought process like just the other night being like, okay, I need to start with this project because later I'm going to have to change the thread and I don't want to change it twice. <laughs> because it's yeah. that, it's all those extra steps, right? Exactly. Have, you know, and then, yeah. and then, yeah, your bobbin thread. Oh, do I have, should I? I know. How many times have I done things where I'm winding the bobbin and I like look, I'm like, oops, that now I've... <laughs> Now I have no, now I have no more thread on the actual spool because it's all gone on the bonnet. I'm like, ah. Yep. No. Same. Yeah, we should just take up simple hobbies. <laughs> Honestly, spinning has been great. Um, mm. My partner has taken up spinning. I was gifted a wheel a few years ago and I've always been too afraid. <laughs> Again, anytime a machine's involved, I like just get too nervous. I'm like, okay, no, never mind. So I mostly just spin on a drop spindle, but my partner got all excited about the wheel and he's like a little more mechanically minded than I am. So he was like, okay, yeah, I love reading manuals. I'll read the manual. <laughs> and he kind of, you know, put the tension and everything. And we brought it out to this like little cabin and he just spun. He just spun. We got like this um like a I don't know if you call it a skein of roving but we got like 100 grams of roving I think it's called a bump a bump oh okay I, but I a think that is a, is a certain weight I'm buying oh interesting that's a great go. word <laughs> it is good a bump of roving yeah he got this we like went to the farmer's market and the fiber shed folks were there and we like got just a single roving bit and I was like oh this is you know it was just yeah. really sweet that this is what he was working with but he just sat out there for like three hours and just spun the whole thing just spun it into you know yarn and we were talking about how spinning feels for each of us in our bodies and and our brains and there's something about having your feet engaged while your hands are engaged yeah that's different to the machine of sewing and knitting for me of like that feels like spinning can just be this total i don't know i don't i like really feel very kind of at ease with spinning because it just feels like okay things are moving through my fingers and i'm focused yeah. on it but not too hard and like well i imagine there's there's the rhythm it's been a while since i've since i've spun um and i'm not as adept at a drop spindle i i found myself much more comfortable wheel spinning mm. and i think it's like there's the continuous it's like repetitive you know yeah. we're, we're we're at home with repetitive motion right you know, because of all the things that are going on in our bodies are just these repetitive things with heart beating you know breath inhaling and exhaling and yeah if your feet are just doing like one thing i mean it's just you're feeding it through yes you're you're you're, you're drafting and there is uh skill and, and action there but it is it's just this soothing i found the same like that kind of zen printing on a like a, a like a 
printing press, like a letterpress machine mm. that, you know, getting into that whole, like, you know, feeding the paper and, and you just can, I don't know, that it's very soothing. Yeah. Just getting into a rhythm. And I think that's yeah. the thing that you can get into a rhythm with spinning, you can get into a rhythm with these things, whereas sewing, it's a lot more stopping and starting. And yeah, you know, you, you, yeah, you can get like really long, like hems or seams, but you, you're right. You are changing things up all the time. And, and let's face it, machines are dangerous. <laughs> You're always like, like, ah, moving shiny thing that's sharp. Oh, yes. I have Irons absolutely. That are oh, yeah. Cutters that can slice your fingers, you know, anyway. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm very aware of all Petra, of these things Petra's. as I'm doing them. Yeah. 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 It's like. I have had a number of mishaps and I had someone, I got a rotary cutter like very recently and people were like, it will change your life, but also <laughs> be very careful of your fingers. Yeah. Always know where your hands are. <laughs> yeah. I've been, yeah. I went ahead and got the like safety one that you have to like press it to, to yeah, get yeah. it to come out. Cause I was like, I know myself and I will definitely <laughs> slice a finger and I'll do it while COVID's happening. And then like, I can't oh. go to the hospital. <laughs> anyway. So that was my thought process. Like, <laughs> it's worth yeah, the extra $12. In yeah. 2020, <laughs> when I had five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather only had three three on one of his hands, I think. He like had, I remember we're, we share a birthday and uh, 80 years apart. And I remember being a little kid and just being so fascinated by his lack of fingers. <laughs> like just wanting to touch them. And <laughs> they're not there. Maybe me one day. Yeah. <laughs> During the pandemic of 2020, when I had yeah. that, this is when unfortunate, I had yeah, <laughs> completely avoidable, unfortunate incident. Rotary cutted it right off. <laughs> should not speak. I know. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, Sonia. It's been lovely to talk it's to you. It's been really lovely talking to you too. And yeah, we need to see each other sometime or uh, take a walk. Or... I would love that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. The Close Knit Podcast is hosted by me, Ani Lee. A huge thank you to Andrew Bruce for writing podcast theme music that makes me genuinely smile every time I hear it. And giant thanks to my amazing producer, Amelia Harubi. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash close knit.